Okay, welcome back. We're glad that you've survived me trying to handle the book of Revelation in these short studies. We, I hope you're not too frustrated by all the stuff I'm leaving out or not commenting on, uh, but we want to make it clear so that you have a, a good hand, handling of the book of Revelation. And today, I'd like for you to turn to chapter 6, Revelation chapter 6. Um, chapter 1 through 3, we see the Savior with his churches. And it's all about the Savior in his churches, the great unveiling. Hard times are coming. They need to know they can trust their Savior. Chapters 4 and 5, we've been in heaven. We've seen the rapture of the church. We've seen this incredible uh, movement by the Savior to take the deed the title of the earth so that God's plan for men can now begin to, to, to be cared for. Uh, we would all agree that life in this world is nothing like God had intended. Uh, God is set aside, he's, uh, he's, he's mocked, he's ridiculed, he's totally neglected and overlooked. Well, that's coming to an end. This period called the tribulation is a time when God takes his rightful place in this earth and then sends not just the compassionate Savior, but his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, King of King and Lord of Lords, the Lion, back to establish good in this world. And he's going to do it all over the world. In chapter 6, we now leave heaven and we begin to see things that are going to be happening here. Let me have a word of prayer and then we'll look at this together. Father, we thank you that you have given us not only this book, but this chapter. <clears throat> now we begin to see how things are going to unfold. Uh, Father, there are no surprises to you in this world. Nothing surprises you. And while the events of this world take place, you are working a plan. You are moving the world to a plan, to a place, to a time when the Lord Jesus will return to this earth to establish the kingdom of God here. That's what you want, and that's what will happen. And so, Father, help us as we look at chapter 6 together today, as we return our vision from heaven to looking at things on the earth. Help us with our study, and we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. In chapter 6, the best way to uh, think of this is think of it as an overview. Uh, chapter 6, give us six key aspects that will be taking place during the time of the tribulation. Six things that he just wants us to get our heads around. And remember, the Savior who holds the scroll, as he breaks the first seal, we have a picture on earth. As he breaks the second seal, we see another picture on earth. And these seals are acts of judgment and that they are preparation for what's about to happen. But this gives us an overview of what's going to take place during the tribulation. So let me look at those six aspects and then we'll talk something about the timing of them. Chapter 6, verse 1. And I saw, remember John is seeing all this, when the Lamb opened one of the seals, I heard as it were the noise of thunder and one of the four beasts saying, that's the angels, come and see. 
And I saw, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. The first thing we see is a man. Now, I think it, it should be noted that this man, this is not the first time the Bible's talked about this man. Uh, in, the, in the book of Daniel, he's talked about quite a lot. That's when we first see him. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians 2, writes almost an entire chapter on this man. Um, Jesus refers to him in Matthew 24 and 25. So this is a man that we'll see more about in um, a couple weeks uh, in our studies, uh, but this is not the first time that he's referred to. Uh, he is described uh, in detail here, kind of what's all this, we'll get to that. But he is a man who will become very prominent on the world scene. And in time, he will become the one man who rules the world. Literally, one man who rules the world. Now remember, this is a form of judgment. This man is a man who, when he comes to the world scene, when this period we call the tribulation begins, Daniel tells us that he makes a treaty with the nation of Israel. They will lay down their weapons and they will be given the right to build their temple, which they've wanted to do for hundreds of years. And that's no small accomplishment. When you think of the, the conflict in the Middle East and the thoughts of the Arab nations toward Israel, when you think of what's on uh, the holy site where they're going to be building this, uh, this temple, the Jewish, how this man's going to pull this off, I don't know. Uh, but we'll talk more about that later. We'll see more about that later. Uh, we're also told that the Jewish people will receive this man as if he is their long-awaited Savior. Do you remember what Jesus said to the religious leaders one day? He said, I come to you in my name, in my Father's name, and you will not receive me. But there's another man who will come in his own name, and you will receive him. And it talks, Jesus talks about that time where Israel, who has rejected the real Messiah, will accept a man who is not, but they act as if he is. We'll talk more about that. Notice the man's description. We find him, he's first of all on a white horse. <clears throat> In Roman day when John was living, uh, white horses were usually reserved uh, for the, the emperor or conquering generals. It was very uh, significant, very strategic, uh, very symbolic of the position of the men who rode that. This man is a very significant person. You notice that he has, it says, a bow. Notice there aren't any arrows. There is a bow. And most people feel that it indicates that his accomplishments will be through diplomacy, not uh, conquering in the sense of a military conquest, that he will make uh, a lot of uh, diplomatic uh, solve dis diplomatic dilemmas and it will be looked upon as a great problem solver. Uh, we see a crown. He will become a ruler. 
and the last phrase, he went forth conquering and to conquer, he becomes quite successful. He brokers deals, he makes treaties, he becomes very, very successful. Again, this is a form of judgment. The world will become so enamored with this man that they will give him literally the keys of the city. Whatever he wants to do, they'll let him do it and they'll back him. And in the end, what he does is just horrible. This man, although successful in the eyes of the world, is a very bad man. That's one of the key actors. And we'll be seeing him. There are three other chapters in Revelation that talk about him. Let's notice the second thing. Verse 3, when he had opened the second seal, remember the scroll that Jesus was holding has seals on it. He's breaking these seals. The second seal had opened. I heard the second angel say, come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereupon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. So the second thing we see is a rider who, as it says, taking peace from the earth. <clears throat> says, gives the indication that there's going to be a lot of conflict during this period of time long period of time called the tribulation. And some of you are thinking, wait just a minute, seal one, the great conqueror, this diplomat, success, and now this unrest, not success, doesn't seem to jive up. Um, I think there's an explanation for that. Uh, we know that the tribulation begins with the signing of a treaty where Israel will lay its arms down, the Middle East will be at peace, and Israel will build a temple. We'll see that temple in chapter 11. That is incredible. That's just mind-boggling for us today. But the middle peace will be at east. He will have brokered a deal to get all of this accomplished. The Jewish people will accept him, and that's, that's the case. Well, it could be that after that, maybe there's a war between North Korea and South Korea, or let's say China and India. You know, they're having difficulty. And even though things have been settled in the Middle East, another war erupts over here. He goes <clears throat> and he brokers peace, settles things down there. He gets that all taken care of. And then all of a sudden, maybe there are conflicts in the Baltic nations. And so he goes there, he works with the people, and he makes peace. There is no competition between seal one and seal two. Everything that's talked about in this particular chapter, Jesus refers to in Matthew chapter 24. He talks about, you will hear of wars and rumors of war. Nations will rise against nations, kingdom against kingdoms. And so during the time of this great diplomacy that this man is establishing, he's gaining his credentials. He's doing that by helping people in hotspots solve their wars, supposedly, and kind of put things on peace. But there is, and there is an absence of settledness for the world. There are real problems among nations, and this man seems to be the only hope to be able to keep things in order. So I don't think there's competition there. Notice the third one, and this is where it starts to uh, kind of take your breath away. Verse 5, and when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast or angel say, come and see. 
And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hands. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts, or the angels, saying, A measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny. Be careful that you don't hurt the oil or the wine. And what we see is worldwide famine. Worldwide famine. Now let me, let me just kind of ask you to think about famine in general for just a minute. Why would the world experience famines? What causes it? How long does it take? Um, last year, uh, I was really concerned for our son. He and his partner have a large farm. They have uh, 1,200 acres of corn they have to plant to take care of the cattle that, that they milk. Uh, and we had such a rainy, rainy spring that they were not able to begin planting until the first week of July. And for those who know anything about farming and planting, that's disastrous. And so they have to get something in to see what, you know, they're not sure what's going to happen at the other end of the harvest, but they're just not sure. Uh, but they have to get something in. Unfortunately, God pushed back a fall and gave them a drier fall so that they were able to get that harvest in. But irregularities in uh, the climate is one way. Uh, if people can't plant, there's not going to be a harvest. Or the other side is if you do get your plants in, your harvest in, everything's planted, whether it's wheat, corn, soybeans, whatever it might be, but then there's no rain, then you're not going to have a crop either. And when we think of the worldwide, having a worldwide famine, how's that, how does that work? Well, you take this is a period of seven years, the tribulation is a period of seven years. If you go two years and you're not able to plant anything or harvest anything, the world's going to begin to feel that. If you go three years of having irregularity or uh, problems with the climate, then uh, you're going to have some real problems. But God is going to bring a worldwide famine to bear during this period. That's what we're talk, being told here. And when it talks about the, fifth, the, the, the coin, uh, wheat for a penny, a measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny, uh, what he's talking about is a Roman worker would get usually, this particular coin, 15 cents a day for a day's work. He could use that to buy a certain portion of wheat, one meal if he wanted something with some substance, or if a little more skimpy, he could get three barley meals in a sense. Uh, to make it uh, in common, our common uh, terminology, um, a man will work one day and will only be able to get a loaf of bread. He won't be able to get anything else. Think about the starvation. Think about the hardships and the difficulty. One day of work and you get, a, you get bread and that's it. Uh, that's going to be tough. Worldwide famine. Let's go on to the next one. It gets even more difficult. And Jesus refers to this again in Matthew 24 in verses 7 and 8. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked and behold a pale horse and his name that sat upon it was death, and hell followed, or the grave followed with him. Power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, and with the beasts of the earth. 
you have an aspect of God's judgment upon earth that's referred to here that is just staggering. It's hard to get our heads around. Again, the tribulation deals with a period of seven years. We don't know if this is going to be a staggered thing. We don't know. But for the loss of life that's experienced here, this is, this is the most tragic loss of life that has ever been recorded in human history. It's like taking all of North America and South America, the continents, lifting them up, turning them over, and drowning everyone in the sea. And some of you are thinking, wait, 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 that seems a little extreme. Why in the world would God, why would he do that? Why would he allow something like that to happen? That, that just doesn't sound right that something like that would happen. Well, hang on to that because the next seal, I think, will help us to understand a little bit. But notice the different ways in which people are going to die. It says the fourth part of the earth, one out of every four people will die as a result of this. With the sword, they will be killed in battle. With hunger, there's the famine. With death, uh, the idea that different ways of dying will take place and take a hold upon people, coronavirus and different things. And with the beasts of the field, the animal kingdom will now rebel against humans. And people will die because the animal kingdom is out of control. And again, this is just hard. Now, think, how can this be? Why would God allow something like this to happen? Uh, this just doesn't make any sense. The next seal will begin to help this all balance out. Notice what happens. And it says in verse 9, let me go ahead and say this. And, and, uh, and when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar that's close to God, the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, do you not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? White robes were given unto every one of them, as it was said unto them that they should yet rest for a little while until their fellow servants, their brothers, should also be killed as they were and should join them. Okay, this is where it gets tough. I want you to notice that when we're looking at this group of people, the scene now changes from earth to heaven. And we see people who are in heaven, they have been killed. From this period of time, they have been killed. Look at that, that terrible terrible phone goes off again. I'm going to finish this. That they're killed, it says, if you'll notice, for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Now, what's that beginning to tell you about people who are on the earth? People are dying because they love the word of God, the book that we call the Bible, and they have a testimony. Uh, it is that people are known to be Christians. They are known to, to love the Savior and want to be right with God. The world doesn't want anything to do with that. doesn't want anything to do In fact, they want to get rid of all of that. And so the world, the people of the world, will be killing others who are trying to be faithful. 
Now, are you getting an idea of what's happening here? Uh, on the earth, there is a great conflict between those who want to remove God and every trace of God and every person who even thinks about God and heaven's control and its grip upon this, this earth to bring earth under God's control. This is an awful time. If you'll notice the people who are speaking here, they know what's happened to them on earth. They know what's happened. They know it's been wrong. Uh, how long before you avenge? But notice it also says holy and true. There's no complaining here. They're not finding fault with God for what's happened to them. There's none of that. They just want to know what's, what's going to happen. And I wish I had the time to, uh, to go through these things uh, that are listed here on the screen. People who have died because of their faith, they're safe in heaven. Uh, they are seen. You will see them. I saw the souls of them. When you go to heaven, not only will people see you, you will see them. That's a wonderful thing. We will see each other. They, will under, they understand their lives. We will understand our lives. They wonder, why, why is this? What's going to happen next? We, they have questions. They are given answers, but they are told to rest. Heaven will be a place of resting for those who who enter enter God's house. It's 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 just like that. It's just that's God's house. And there's so much there. But then the last verse, the last seal, I have to see, show you this, verses 12 through 17. He opens the next seal and literally God gets a hold of this earth and shakes it. Occasionally you will see a parent, not too often, but shake a child. Won't you listen? Can't you get this through your head? And they're just exasperated. It's kind of like what God's doing here, but in a righteous way. You've had enough to control this earth. This is my world. And he literally shakes things to pieces. And I want you to notice that in verse 14, where it says, heaven is departed like a scroll. And it's like thinking of the atmosphere and like a curtain, going over to one in your house and taking the two sides of the curtain and just pulling them apart, seeing through the window. This seal, God takes back the partition so that men in the earth can see the truth about God and his son who is coming to this world. And they are terrified. They know exactly what they have done. They know exactly how their rebellion against God has been all wrong. And unfortunately, these people are so hardened in their sin later in the book of Revelation chapter 16, after a period of judgments, it says that even though the men were writhing in pain, that they refused to give God glory. They refused to repent of their sins. They just have this hardened hatred toward God, but when the heavens are opened and they see Jesus coming back, they will know that what they've been told is true. Jesus is the Savior. I have to stop there. This is getting frustrating, isn't it? Because there's more that we could learn, but we have to, I have to try to keep these at least to a 25-minute uh, uh, 20, session so that uh, uh, I don't lose you in the process. Uh, but again, chapter 6 is an overview. 
an overview. The first seal, the revealing of this very bad man, that's how it begins. When Jesus comes back, that's how it ends. In a period of seven years, these things will be taking place on the earth. Hey, come back for the next session. We've got more to share. We'll be almost halfway done through our study. Thanks for being with us.